0: where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week, we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing and explain how we can do better.
1: Join us. This is the healthcare wrap. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking about what healthcare could be. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that healthcare has to truly become consumer-first, and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years, or we can jump in right now. We'll get there faster together, so come be a part of it. Each week, we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We're approaching 200 episodes in four years on the air. We're now in season six, where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer-first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about Carbon Health's new pre diabetes program. What does it say about prevention as a new model of primary care, and how can it benefit consumers? I'll talk about that. Then Craig Allen Aarons is in the house to share some provocative thinking about how addressing staffing shortages and physician burnout can improve the patient experience. We'll dive deep into how Craig has seen technology effectively address the people problems in healthcare. This episode's jam packed, and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go.
0: flavor of the week.
1: Carbon health may have given us a roadmap to the primary care of the future, or at least one version of it. I'm reading from an article in Fierce Healthcare by Rebecca Torrance titled... Carbon Health launches new program with continuous glucose monitors to assess diabetes risk. And it states that primary care provider Carbon Health is launching a metabolic assessment program that uses continuous glucose monitors to help identify patients at high risk for diabetes. The company, which provides virtual care services in addition to brick and mortar clinics, will integrate data from CGMs worn for two weeks by their patients into its primary care model to create care plans tailored to the individual. It goes on to say that according to the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, 34 million people in the U.S. have diabetes, about 1 in 10 individuals, and an estimated 35% of the population has pre-diabetes. But upward of 85% of people at risk for diabetes don't know they're at risk. It quotes their chief strategy officer, Mayung Cha, as saying, That's the opportunity for us to help people get ahead of this and do what they can to prevent this long-term progression towards a really costly disease. Carbon Health will offer the program to anyone who wants to enroll with no subscription or concierge fees. We're open to everyone, he said. That's part of what's motivating this program, to democratize tools and technologies that can really make a difference for people's health. It goes on to share that the program is currently available in California to patients ages 18 to 65, and the company plans to expand eligibility nationwide in the future. The program's launch is bolstered by their acquisition of virtual diabetes management startup Steady Health in June. The startup offers video visits and text consults with diabetes specialists, as well as CGM devices to provide additional insights. How can this benefit consumers? The move into home health and remote monitoring makes sense to me, and diabetes management is typically a starting point that makes business sense. I also like that they're starting a dialogue about pre-diabetes. A stronger focus on prevention is always a win for consumers. Any downsides? Questions about scale and provider buy-in always loom over announcements like this, but I'll be interested in following them over the coming months. As always, it'll come down to execution, storytelling, and how much consumer expectations change. What can we learn? As primary care transforms, consumers benefit. And don't lose sight of Carbon Health's vision for the future to quote-unquote democratize tools and technology that can really make a difference for people's health. They're not the first to share that vision, but they also won't be the last. It's worth taking time to explore new players in primary care and how they're focusing on consumers' health needs, especially when they express their intention to reduce friction, use virtual tools, and talk about new means of prevention. Those are just a few ways that we'll build the healthcare of tomorrow. And that's the flavor of the Week. All right, this week, we've got Craig Allen Aaron's in the house. Craig's here to share some provocative thinking about how healthcare staffing can impact the consumer experience. For those of you who don't know Craig, he's the Chief of Strategy, Growth and Partnerships at CareRev. They're a marketplace platform for healthcare staffing. Craig, welcome to the Healthcare Wrap.
2: Thank you so much, and hello to your audience.
1: It's so fun to get people from so many different sides of healthcare. If there's one thing I've learned from all these years of podcasting, and just putting content out there in the world, it is that we may never understand all the different aspects that involve and really represent the healthcare industry, the quote unquote industry, when we talk about it that way. I'm really excited to dive into how staffing impacts some of the things that we talk about uh, on a regular basis here. But first and foremost, Craig, what did I miss in your bio? What else would you like our listeners to know about the work you do? Sure,
2: my background is actually in healthcare as an administrator. I started my career doing the traditional healthcare management route of being an administrator, doing a fellowship. thought I wanted to become a healthcare CEO and I happened to really enjoy the aspects of advising C-suites. And I had a role where I did that around operations and strategy for a healthcare system. And I translated that into going into consulting. And in consulting, once I was out of operations, I started doing interim executive roles. And I've done the gamut from strategy to performance to innovation, and as well as having teams of folks that focused around labor performance. And toward the end of my career, it it was both on the ambulatory and and inpatient side, my career in consulting, I should say. So about three years ago, I was just getting tired of this mantra in healthcare of, here's a 40-hour work week. And FTE model for labor. And you're gonna like it, and that's all I'm gonna offer you. And it really constrained a lot of performance improvement initiatives around labor makes up 60% of the bottom line of a hospital. And the people are what matter because they take care of the patients. They were stuck in a box, and this is all pre-COVID. And I started looking into labor marketplaces, these technology companies that were doing this in other industries, whether it was warehousing or logistics where. It was a technology-enabled service that said, hey, we have an open shift, and they locally curate a grouping of people that have the skill sets to fill a shift. Now, that had never been really done. It was just starting to come up in outpatient surgery centers, and I happened to be at the AHA uh, Leadership Conference in 2018, and I met an individual, the founder of CareRev, and they were focused on outpatient surgery centers and just landed a, a, you know a small hospital And we got to talking and talking about my clients and the labor performance issues and my interest in this area that I just spoke about at the conference. And we clicked. And basically, three years later, we have a marketplace technology solution that is changing the way labor works. And skipping agencies, skipping traveler companies, going direct to professional and meeting people how they want to work in a flexible way. It stands up next to your full-time FTE model, doesn't replace it. And if you like those people, you can hire them. That's fundamentally a different model and a labor resilience partner. And it's a partner that is a post-COVID model that breaks the cycle of all this stuff that's happening right now in terms of gouging and, and what have you because we take you direct to professional and we have direct practice. There's a whole host of other technologies that I can talk about today around automation that intersects with labor, around different technologies that enhance the engagement and satisfaction of your clinical professionals. It's all about making the professionals happy and engaged beyond the current model that is made more for an environment where seniority really determines whether or not a person's able to get off on a holiday. Flexibility doesn't isn't there for people who have kids at home or a, a sick parent. So that's how we're changing healthcare. And I, I know that's beyond a biography, but I just needed to tell that story about myself because it related to our topic today.
1: Oh, it absolutely does. Staffing impacts everything. And I think the more we talk about it in terms of how it connects to all these different aspects of delivering care and engaging. You mentioned engagement, which I want to dig into here in just a moment. But I think being able to make that connection is so important, especially because it's so easy to get lost in the minutia of day-to-day, you know, here are the things I have to get done today. And meanwhile, we're seeing and hearing these trends in the workplace. We're hearing about the great resignation. and We're hearing about more people leaving the workforce voluntarily than ever before. And we're seeing that and wondering. Flexibility is pretty important. I've always talked about that. I've always felt that, but I didn't know what my options were. Maybe this is the time to explore that a little bit more. So it seems like the timing right now couldn't be better in terms of opening up a conversation about the importance of keeping everyone happy, like you said. I, I don't know. Is it? Are you finding anything there with just where we are with the pandemic and everything that's impacting the conversation around the solutions that you offer?
2: Well, what's interesting is that, and, and we it, this has said, been said at Nauseam, all of this stuff was there before, meaning dissatisfaction, disengagement, burnout. Those were topics that were happening before COVID. And there needed to be a solution that, of different ways of engaging our professionals and uh, testing of that. But COVID, just like with the advent of telehealth, It really exacerbated the solutions and pushed telehealth. It's also pushing us as an industry to adopt mechanisms to maintain our labors and make sure that we're treating people as they want to be treated and meeting them where they are, which it doesn't mean that we haven't been trying to do it. There's a lot of good people and good executives out there and former colleagues of mine that that are trying this every day. But do you see a little bit more sense of urgency and focus on innovation in this space? Because labor innovation has not really been an area of focus outside of clinical innovation. So what do I mean by that? I'm talking about how we make people feel, how they work, the management science behind it. The clinical models have been looked at, but not the way we treat people and engage with them and or make one person into many or how we fill shifts to serve patients in a more effective, efficient manner.
1: It really does impact everything, don't you think? It's, it's so ironic that it's it does tend to get, from my view, it tends to get lumped into other general culture and leadership topic areas, at least as far as thought leadership in, in this area involving staffing. and I'm glad you mentioned that these things have been around for a long time. It's not like the innovation just started with the pandemic. the maybe it's just the spotlight has burned brighter now on it, and I think that's appropriate. So let's pivot this into how this impacts consumer engagement because one of the themes of this season is how do we make everything more consumer focused And that's everything from understanding consumers before they step into a clinic. before they contact a doctor's office about coming in, before they have any encounter there, how do we understand what their health needs are all the way to engaging in the designing better experiences once they do engage with the healthcare system. So a big part of that I've learned over the years, the word engagement means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But at the end of the day, there's still some kind of interaction that's happening between either a person and another person or a person in some kind of technology that does something takes some kind of action that a person used to do. So that engagement that we're talking about here, at least as a starting point, has to do with how do we engage consumers and patients as they are trying to work through and meet their own healthcare needs. I imagine there's a lot of talk about how addressing staffing shortages and staffing burnout improves the patient experience. Let's just start there. What are your thoughts on that connection between staffing and the patient experience? It's
2: pretty much a no-brainer, common sense, right? But if someone needs like data and scientific proof that it is the case, there's plenty of research studies by the Nurses Association and others where in it just basically ties staffing levels to patient quality, right? and happiness and engagement of those professionals to patient quality. Intuitively, it makes sense that when somebody is enjoying their work and they're satisfied and they're not worrying about their kid at home and how they're going to get coverage for that or what have you, that they'd be more focused on the patient care episode. So these studies that are well-documented and out there, and there's a list of them that I've collated as part of you know, many discussions I have with senior executives, that it's so commonsensical that you think that we would have been putting a lot more emphasis on this in the past. So now you're starting to see you know, like baseline things providing more daycare, providing benefits that to part-time for diem people, just trying to meet people where they are. and these aren't necessarily technology things. That they may be enabled by technology, but there are this commonsensical things that people really want and desire, and other ways beyond money, to attract professionals and keep them. So one thing, the other, the other big thing that, that studies have shown is that the, the length of the shift matters. So we've been locked into these eight, 10, 12-hour shifts models, right? And I, that's for consistency or continuity, or suppose it's supposed consistency or continuity of care. But there's new research that's showing that having a shorter shift doesn't necessarily mean continuity of care falls off. If that person is properly trained and there's a proper handoff mechanisms, et cetera, and it provides more satisfaction to the professional because now instead of working the eight hour shift, they're working four hours, two hours or whatever it is so that they can work around their life and schedule and then the overall productivity increases, the overall patient ability to cover patient needs increases. So this research has been out there for quite a while and the pandemic has allowed for more research around it, in particular in this unique environment. And the message is that pay isn't the only thing. And we create all these artificial barriers. The onboarding and credentialing process to get into a hospital, if you're an employee of a hospital, want to be an employee of a hospital, I don't know if you've actually been through one, but... (laughs) it could take weeks. Like when I'm saying weeks, I'm talking 12 weeks, eight weeks, whatever it may be. And that friction, if you really need somebody to come in and fill shifts and work for you, uh, a lot of people in today's age don't have the patience or the willingness to sit through that process, come in for multiple different orientations and what have you and just a simple thing of, of what our solution does is as part of it is it, it digitizes your current processes around onboarding digitally so it's more transparent to the professional that helps right helps streamline things improve we make it hard for people in the past we've made it hard for people to come in and what we need to do and change is find technologies and ways of doing things that make it easier for folks to come in
1: hang with us we'll be right back and check out these amazing podcasts from our friends
2: Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast for Chief Digital Officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health. Really, Any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem, that's the digital voice we wanna capture as we learn and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod.
1: Okay, back to the flow. This is very much a people problem, but you've found a way to use technology to address that people problem, if you will. Can you talk us through that process? Because I know people who feel like We've swung the pendulum one way or the other, where we're either too focused on tech to address problems that involve people, or we still haven't gone far enough. It feels like there's a pretty good balance in the solution that you're offering here in the terms of using technology where it's needed to automate and expedite a process, if you will, and just make it easier. So even with the solution you've got you are trying to improve the experience for users themselves. Can you talk us just through how the balance of using technology has been helpful when you're trying to address, at the core, a people problem?
2: Yeah, so at the end of the day, our technology is centered around the professional. The professional experience as well as the facility interaction with the professional. So what we attempt to and succeed at is by building a local marketplace locally around the health system. We engage them through our web and mobile app-based solution in a manner that streamlines the onboarding credentialing processes, meaning anything that we can that that in your process where you might have an epic orientation it used to be in-person where we can digitize that or an interview around skills assessments, we do it via Zoom call instead of in-person. Anything we could do to shorten the timeline and provide more transparency around the steps we put into the app and we build it in down to the scheduling of the preceptor shift. Okay. That technology solution and a red, yellow, green light stoplight transparency model, where if I'm a professional and I'm going through this process of onboarding via the solution, right. I know that what I need to fill out when I need to fill out and the steps. And I know if I'm missing something, cause it tells me it's, it's red, it's a red stoplight. And then, I see all these shifts that are being offered over to the side, but I can't fill them until I get these things. Until I complete the steps, that's a motivation tool for me because I see the shifts there, but I can't fill them. I can't. I'm missing out on an opportunity. So, first step with our solution is the onboarding finishing aspect. We we digitize and streamline it, but also how we engage through our technology and identify and target archetypes within a market. We identify the retired nurse the professional with the $60,000 in debt, which by the way is the average for an RN, the person that just got burnt out and but wants to maintain your credential and wants to work three shifts a month. We identify and target these folks and we curate them in local markets. And through our technology, they refer their friends and it exponentially pops. So that, that referring mechanism and targeting mechanism within our process and technology is something that's fundamentally key to making that local marketplace buzz and grow. And it's beyond our ends, it's CNAs and everything else. So these two combined components at the top of the funnel is a word that describes the activation of a professional to make them able to work is key because our technology does it differently. And it's transparency also around price. So I talk about conditioning, onboarding, and talking about archetypes of people and them ref- friends referring friends, but price is key and transparency around price and rates for health systems has been always the focus and it's the wrong focus. And I'm speaking as an ex healthcare administrator, okay? If somebody's is willing to staff a shift right up to the last minute, they should be paid more. And we have plenty of call-outs for FMLA, PTO, sickness, or what have you, where somebody is called off, right? And our staffing levels tend to be higher because we're trying to to compensate for it. Imagine if somebody calls off and you call into this technology where it shoots out a request for a shift to be filled to a pre-qualified audience, and they fill that shift. That means that you don't need as high staffing levels to cover on a daily basis, That's a different model. And that's what we're doing because that price, that one time of filling where you might have to pay $20 more than what the contract from Vizient says is worth it because now you're not carrying that load of professionals. Maybe you're staffing too high or maybe you're burning out your people, which is more likely the case because there aren't enough staff to fill shifts in the first place, full-time staff. And we see this time and again, where people are doing overtime to compensate for this. You can't do overtime for 90% of the year. So you're burning out your professionals, especially during COVID, we've seen this. So the price transparency aspect of this and building out that within our technology has been a huge benefit to professionals and to the facility. And then if you like our people, you can hire them. There's a button in there that says, I like to hire this person. It's like a try before you buy type thing where people get to know you, you get to know them, you rate them, they rate you. It's like a, a real time press gain for people that are in the industry, a press gaining being a survey mechanism, but real time where people understand what's going on live and they, they're getting to know these people before they, they hire them. So therefore it reduces turnover, right? And turnover is a huge hidden cost. So combined with that within our app, and what mobile based solution, we have education components, okay? These education components are very important. If I'm a med surge RN, I want to be able to eventually become an ICU RN. Maybe there's a mechanism that I can do this. And as part of our idea around this is we want to offer education opportunities for our folks. And that's what gets professionals engaged, sticky, et cetera, as well as different types of shifts, two-hour shifts, three-hour shifts, whatever it is. We want to build something around technology that meets those professionals' needs and meets them where they're at. Therefore, the facility gets somebody efficiently on demand and people all around are happy. So building a contingent workforce model that's stable and an ongoing partnership model is different than a staffing agency and it's direct professional. That is the future, not this what you're seeing right now, which is
1: a broken system. Yeah, and it's so important. Like we said, to, it's so central for healthcare to function at all, to get this right and to figure it out and, and to improve. So it's very meaningful work. And I'm curious if there's anything else, any other observations you've had over the years from coming from the administrative side over to the tech, you know, point solution side. Any other observations that you've noticed from that transition that concern either just leaders or or staffing or anything else we haven't really talked about, but uh, that's gotta have been a a fascinating transition at some point to, to see things from a different perspective.
2: Yeah, when I transitioned to healthcare tech, right, or innovation, I managed to bridge both these worlds between, I guess, for lack of a better word, Silicon Valley, and there's a lot of technology companies that aren't in the Valley, and the healthcare ecosystem. And there's a lot of biases on both sides of the fence, Jared. I'm not saying all, but many Silicon Valley folks think healthcare is a bunch of old crony dinosaurs that don't understand what the heck they're doing. And on the other end, the healthcare executives are like, what is this kid from Silicon Valley telling me? And why are they talking to me? I don't have time for this. They don't understand the complexity of our professionals. And what we're doing and we're a multi-billion dollar business by the way we're not some small mom and pop shop it takes really a lot of skill to understand this so i've seen both sides of the fence and the fundamental issue has been in my opinion that number one there's not enough engagement around learning each other's ecosystems and understanding the language that each of them speak and being able to bridge the gap between the way Those different ecosystems talk to effectively make the the good ideas the valley translate into actionable items in the healthcare ecosystem. So very few people have the skill sets and have seen both of those worlds to be able to bring them together. And one of the things that I really respect about our leadership team and founders is that they recognize that, and that's why CareRev has been successful. We've built something that is practical. Translatable, and we speak healthcare systems speak, and we speak Valley speak, and we take the best from both worlds and put it together into something. And it's actionable, it's practical, it's around labor and engaging professionals. There's so many different solutions out there too that aren't practical for any number of reasons. If you healthcare, and or just they may be a good idea, but they just can't get over the fence to talk to the right buyer or person in the team that would understand their value proposition. And even if you get them to understand it, even getting the opportunity to test it for social proof, because in healthcare, as most people on the phone know, if you need to to almost have social proof before somebody else really takes it on. Somebody needs to tell somebody else. It's such a a a tight-knit industry that if somebody doesn't vouch for you, it's very hard to
1: break in. It definitely is. And there's pluses and minuses to that. There's the benefit of those who have gone down the rabbit hole enough, if you will, who have been in the industry long enough to understand and be able to see past the hype of a potential solution and evaluate it effectively and see if it really will account for all the complexity that there is in healthcare. And then there's, of course, the when there is a better solution out there, how does it gain traction? I'm so grateful you've given us a few minutes today. and If there's one thought you could leave with us, in terms of that connection, anything else we haven't talked about or anything you want to reiterate for us about the importance of staffing related to consumer experience? Anything else you'd like to share with us?
2: I would have to say that I think for a long time, there's been a reckoning coming and it's here and it's past here. And there's a lot of folks that are still hoping that things will go back to normal and they're thinking about, I'm just going to cut contingency staffing, et etc., if you talk with people that actually work on the floors on the front line, and you you talk with individuals that are the new generation or even retirees, right? Like actually engage with the professionals and and talk about their wants and needs and desires. A lot of it revolves around flexibility and simpler ways, and technology offers a lot of that. Whether it's through automating responses or you know engaging them through a marketplace or what have you. I would encourage the audience to actually. Go to the floor, meet with your folks on a consistent basis, especially the innovation teams, and get to know them in their process and workflows so that you understand that a Truven is a benchmark system if everyone doesn't know for staffing. If your Truven database says, "I, I need one person to five patients, you need to actually go see how things work and you need to find out ways and mechanisms to automate processes and actually figure out solutions to that. Because at the end of the day, Lots of people can come to you with ideas, but the ideas should be coming from the front line and they need help to do that because you're underwater. That's how we can improve the healthcare system.
1: I love it. Craig, uh, so glad to have gotten to do this. What's the best way for listeners to connect with you? I'm on LinkedIn at
2: Craig Allen Aaron. So that's C R A I G A L A N. A-H-R-E-N, as an Nancy S. Or you can look at my Medium channel of the same name and feel free to reach out to me anytime.
1: Perfect, Craig. All the best to you. Stay safe, stay well, and uh, look forward to hearing uh, more good things from you and CareRev. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks again for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation. And if you did, do us a favor and follow us using your favorite podcast app. Then tell your friends and colleagues about us. If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare App is a member of the Shift.Health Content Network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health Content Network. Go check out the latest show. In fact, it's called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hempel. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health, where all 35 podcasts and video series are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks, and that's a wrap.